For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Middle call! Heavy, hey! <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm laughing because Middlecoff put on uh, the Tito's helmet. And uh, you can't get your head all the way in, and I can't see it when you hold it that high. No, I was going for a break, you know. One, two, three, Tito's. <laughs> One, two, three, Tito's. I saw uh, Ric Flair was at Titans practice, and he must have given, like, a you know, one of the end of practice speeches. And, and you know, Tannehill or someone's like, break us down, Rick. I don't think Rick quite understood. And they're just, he's like, what do I, there's like, one, two, three, just pick something, you know, whatever. And he's like, uh, one, he, did, he didn't know what to do. And then a couple guys kind of helped him out. It was very awkward. So he didn't say it. What did he say? One, two, three, Titans. Yeah, but it, but he he was like one, two. Three. It wasn't even very loud, you know. A lot a lot of famous people live for that moment, right? Like one, two, three, Eagles. <laughs> you know, they get a chance to like talk to the team. Or, one, two, three, Niners. Or, one, two, three, champions. I, I you know I don't know if Rick quite understands the lingo of a team sport. Probably right. How about yeah. the Vince McMahon retired, John? So you took over. Uh, who? Stephanie? Uh, yeah, and uh, Nick Khan, uh, the cowards and the big agent for yeah. all the media guys. I met him actually last year at the volume party. Very just impressive guy. I mean, I've heard about him forever. Very normal once you meet him. I mean, it wasn't like I was expecting like, what am I getting? Like Drew Rosenhaus here? Yeah. This is kind of just was giving stories about Vince because he left the agent game to go be Vince's CEO. And then I think Vince is also sneaky, like 80 years old. It's not like Vince is like 68. Yeah. I just love that we talk about, like people talk about the WWE like it's anything but a business as opposed to like... Booming business. But but it's like Vince was also a storyline in a show. (laughs) Right? You hear me okay? Yeah, I was just like, saw something. I wasn't quite sure what was going on, but... Oh, yeah. I see what happened. What do you mean? Like storyline, like he was a wrestler? Well, I mean, Vince, there's there's a fake world in which Vince exists as a character. And then there's a real world in which Vince exists as the actual person in charge of the business. As a guy worth like a billion dollars? Yeah. And it's like these two things are like, oh, is this Vince's last appearance? But it's a real human playing himself, <laughs> but in like a fake world. Yeah. But when the real human is removed from the real business, he also has to be removed from the fake world. That's the part that I, you know, it's very bizarre. Yeah, very bizarre. What's up? What's up, everybody? That's not where we intended to start. I'm Guy. That's John. If you're watching us on YouTube, we appreciate that. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Help us keep growing. Tell people that you like and that you think would like it about it. And even if you hate somebody, maybe tell them, too, because... Maybe they might like it, even though they hate you. 
and also check out our podcast down in the description below. You can listen to us. If you're listening to our podcast, you can check out our YouTube. Um, we appreciate you consuming wherever you consume. Share with your friends, share with your enemies. We should have, I feel like I, I'm not great at this when I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation when they're like, what do you do? And you tell them, and you're like, go subscribe. Like I just, you know, just if they want to, they can do it. There are a lot of little kids there. We could influence the youth, you know, like, Hey guys, pull out your phones. <laughs> you know, let's, let's pull out the podcast. App. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a move the next, uh, in the next week we do. Cause I've seen a lot. What would you say the average five deep uh, sitting down at the, at the rope is, you know, 11 years old. I mean, that's, that's the people you want to influence. They're going to be around for a while. The kids bring a ton of atmosphere. Lot, lot of atmosphere. I mean, I don't think they re as someone who never attended anything even close to this uh, at their age. I hope they realize how pretty sweet that is. I mean, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it's it's cooler depending on where you're sitting. I'd argue than a game, especially like when the players come over to you after. Like you, most of these guys, they're sitting like the second or third fucking level of the bowl. It's that's cooler than the game. <laughs> I mean, the coaches are walking right by you. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. You there know? were some nine or one-on-one drills today that were happening right in front of a bunch of kids. And every catch, Ayuk made a big one. The kids are going bananas. Every, like, it's like a five-yard out. And, you know, the DB can't tackle. So the wide receiver goes by him, and the kids all react like it was an and-one mixtape crossover. I mean, those are the kids that Amazon Prime just – did you see that Amazon Prime is doing an alternate – Thursday night football broadcast with the guys from dude. Perfect. Everyone makes fun of dude. Perfect. Like the Who? masters let them shoot. I just think a lot of like credible people think that they got some scam going, whatever they got going. I don't know much about them. It's working. They're really famous. They've made a ton oh, of money. It's worked. Here's what I would say about dude. Perfect is like, I think some people might think like, why is there, why is their football opinion matter any more than anybody else's? Those guys have a very specific, unique skill, and they got famous creating content that made me go, oh, my God, I haven't seen – like, they they were trick – they, they are trick shot artists, trick shot artists, and they made incredible content. Like, they're not just some scrubs. Who no, it shows you guys – if, if you walk to the top of Arrowhead Stadium, put a basketball hoop at the 50-yard line, and can kick a basketball and swish it in the net – you can have 50 million followers and have Jeff Bezos pay you a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, they put in the work, John. Like when you think dude perfect, what do you think? Like what's what, I say dude perfect. Yeah. But like I think what, just, but but they've created a whole, you know, several other I mean, their channel has like 58 million subs, I think. Yeah. Have you ever seen like a 12-year-old kid wearing a flat bill, like some big old shades and a dude perfect tee? Because I have. I have not. Like they no. have created an army. They have an army of fans. Clearly. And it's really impressive. I mean, if you and I were 12 years old, we would probably watch, right? Salvador on the stream said, here's a shirt, Johnny. Tell your dad to subscribe, John. <laughs> I don't even follow you there, but. Uh, handing out stuff to the kids at Niners practice. Oh, 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 I got you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hand out some podcast uh, business cards, maybe. Some business cards. Hey, uh, a lot of people, a lot of buzz at Niners practice, John, about this podcast being once again. Sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's just celebrated his 25th anniversary. Tito's, it, it, Tito's is a behemoth in the spirits game. It's award-winning. It is um, a, a, an incredible story of business and American uh, ingenuity, survival, product, and substance, and quality 
over everything. 20 years, more than 20 years since Tito made his first batch distilled in the heart of Austin, Texas. And um, now Guy, I forget. It's been a, it's already been a long day in the sun. Was it Jed York or Mike Shanahan that came up to us that said his favorite drink was a Tito soda? I think it was together. They both stopped this. They said, yeah. us, regardless of what Middlecoff said yesterday uh, about Jed's barber. Jed had a hat on today. Tito's. Oh, I didn't see him. Tito's. Yeah. yeah. Mike, Mike, said, Mike said, Mike said, it, Jimmy it, Garoppolo, hold on. I'll come back to you. I got to go talk to him about Tito's. Well, I mean, I could tell we didn't talk to Jimmy, but if Jimmy was there, you're like, you seen this body? Tito's sodas only. That's what I drink. Tito's sodas. Mike Shanahan, Tito's sodas. Jed York, Tito's sodas. D lineman. John Daly's. Uh, I, I, you know, I love the the ginger beer, but um, Moscow Mule. Yeah, pretty good one too. Uh, I, I I made one in a glass on uh, Monday night, and someone said, "Where's the copper mug?" I was like, "I don't have. I, I need a copper mug, I guess." Yeah. Or some on uh, Amazon. Tito's is fantastic. We're big friends. We're uh, big fans and big friends. We appreciate Devin and everybody at Tito's that brought them back for football season. We would love for you to share with us. Uh, you enjoying Tito's? Send us DM us photos of uh, you hanging out with Tito's as we will continue to do and uh, for recipes and more go to Tito's vodka.com distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof crafted to be savored responsibly. Yep. Tweet at us and Instagram at us. Just our names at John Middlecoff at Guy Haberman, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I probably wouldn't even know how to repost you if that's even possible. Uh, and Pictures of you guys drinking, you know, or or whatever involved Just in Tito's. Yeah. We got a lot of. Remember last year, we got a lot of photos of people's dogs with bottles of Tito's. We did, yeah. So, um, oh, we, we, I actually got. You know, I was thinking, should I wear this Tito's golf towel on my? I was thinking, like, you wear it out to practice. You know, it's like a sweat rag. Oh yeah, got like you know, like a quarterback has on their pants. You know. I gave out so many of those to just friends and family. People, I have too. It's a, it's a great. I felt bad. I played the other day, wetting it and putting my ball in there. It's like I don't want to get this thing dirty. Uh, Brad on the stream says, "Let's have a clean chat." Sex bots, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, well, we're gonna see what we can, we're gonna see, man. Yeah, I'm trying to keep them out, man. Uh, that's the beauty of listening to the pod. You don't get assaulted. Uh, all right. Let's start with Niners practice on Tuesday, August second. We were there once again. And Ayuk have a few Tito's before practice. I think the number one story was Brandon Ayuk came uh, ready to scrap like it was Friday night at the old saloon, 11 a.m. And somebody was in his chair. He I think you could say every day something with Brandon Ayuk happens and it's always been positive. But you can't go to a Niner practice and not notice Brandon Ayuk. And we've talked about him a lot. I think there's a lot of buzz about Brandon Ayuk's numbers about Brandon Ayuk's evolution about Brandon Ayuk's growing leadership and I think we saw some of that today he said something yesterday about about you know all the talk Fred Warner talks a lot he got into it with him today a few several plays later there was a hit that Fred Warner made on one of the other 49ers receivers uh, Marcus Johnson and uh, Brandon Ayuk came flying out of nowhere as we saw it. Now, this is not hit, a period. Hit, I think hits an understatement. Fred Warner depleted him. Now, Marcus Johnson popped up, gave the first down signal. Yeah. Held but on. as he had his back turned, Brandon Ayuk came flying in as we saw it. I don't know if there's any fans out there that filmed it from the stands. This was during an unfilmed period of practice. 
Brandon Ayuk came flying in, and as we saw it, there's a crowd of people comes flying in with his body and basically tackles Fred Warner from the side and started a whole other scrum. I, uh, my dad used to love this show called Nature, and it was on every Sunday night at like eight o'clock. And, and since yeah, I, I'm a big animal planet guy and I, and I love watching the top predators, whether it's lions, tigers, grizzly bears, just in their element and the youth as they grow, you know, go from a baby to like, by the time you're one as a tiger, grizzly bear, whatever you're close to full size and different ones try to become the alpha of the pride or alpha of the area. And I, the NFL, because of how physical it is, like in basketball, you can become an alpha way you play, but like Kevin Durant ain't shoving anybody. In football, there's such a physical element. To become a true alpha, like it kind of has to be with your body, right? Not just your production, but like you shoving a guy around or you physically dominating someone. And that's kind of what training camp, I don't care how established a team are, there's always going to be, because the nature of drafts, young guys and younger players establishing themselves kind of, you know, staking their claim. And it did feel like this was today an alpha moment for like a young tiger. Like, hey, motherfuckers, I'm not taking the shit anymore. Because you would say before this year, is if I would have told you Brandon Ayuk's going to be messing with Fred Warner, you'd be like, what? That's crazy. Guy, he wasn't messing with Fred Warner. He was actively seeking him to fight him twice without hesitation. And listen, I'm I'm dog sitting right now. The one thing that's cool about little dogs, and just dogs in general, but little dogs, they will go up without hesitation to a big dog and sometimes act like they're a lot tougher, even though they would get destroyed. But human beings like you and me would never... I don't care how much liquid courage, but unless like our like your wife or your mom or something was truly threatened, would try to shove around a guy who's way bigger than you. It's just common sense. You're like, I'm not messing with that guy. Yet part of football is like smaller guys flex to bigger guys. And it doesn't always happen. But like today was a moment where it felt like, hey, motherfucker, I'm your equal on this team. Even though you'd argue resume wise, Fred would be superior to him. But, like, I'm not taking whatever – and who knows? Like, it feels like there's a little more than just yapping, like that something happened. Even though I saw Mayoko just tweet something, like, Fred was talking a couple days ago how, like, you can be a special player. It was like, Fred – who knows? It, it felt like watching it, this didn't just happen, right? Even the last couple days. There's been something brewing that something said in the offseason. I don't know. But I thought this was a true, like – young badass like i'm an alpha now and and not and not even just showing it to fred but like showing the team like i'm fearless it was it was crazy to watch i thought twice of just how unhesitant he was like a lot of times like and again trent williams could beat up everyone on the team no one's gonna fight trent williams and trent williams is fighting nobody so it's not just because you fight someone doesn't mean anything and fights have been happening in football practice from high school to the pros in the history of football but this one felt a little more specific. Of, and especially the guy, he wasn't going after like, you know, they just signed this dude from the Rams that him and Ayuk have had a couple years of beef, right? This was like Fred Warner and him played together the whole time. Fred's yeah. like team captain. Right. It was, well, it felt like there, it was symbolic of something. It's hard to put I agree. My, <laughs> I, so so I'll, 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 I'll run. The lack of hesitation on Ayuk was pretty crazy, I thought. Well, it was almost like he came to practice today 
wishing a motherfucker would to quote Cedric the Entertainer, right? But Cedric like that the, guy too. Like yeah, yeah. That that, I mean that guy. Would. That's what I'm talking about. Him. <laughs> um, but but that's because of what you just said, right? Like funny people hang out with funny people. Great musicians hang out with great musicians. Tens hang out with tens. Brandon Ayuk views himself as a one, so he's not going to fight a three. He's there's one clear guy on the defense that he could take on. So I can take on Bosa because Bosa's not talking to anybody. Fred is. Maybe he could fight with Jimmy, but Fred's bigger. Fred's bigger than Jimmy Ward, right? But and, and to me, Jimmy Ward ain't a fighting practice. No, guy. no, but no. In fact, I, I know. Like, I know what you're saying though. Like there is something symbolic to your point on Brandon Ayuk taking on a guy that's bigger. And then Fred kind Warner, of shoving people around. Fred too. Warner gave him swung the door wide open when he depleted a receiver. Fred didn't hit a running back. Fred didn't hit. He hit another receiver. And I do wonder. Killed him. <laughs> I, you know where where there is a what's the saying like where there is a a gap water will fill like if you if you create a vacuum something will fill that vacuum. Debo is not. Debo is not. <laughs> Debo has not been around, right? Brandon Ayuk's been around Trey Lance. Brandon Ayuk has, in some de facto way through OTAs, became the leader of the receivers because Debo Samuel, who had become the number one guy on the Niners' offense, at least among the receivers and backs, was not around. And I do wonder if Ayuk kind of views it like, I'm not saying I'm ahead of Debo, but I am, uh, I am also a number one because that's how he's acting. He shows up. Every, he makes multiple plays every day in practice, and he leads. And I thought what he did today was leadership. Um, the degree to which he came flying in and hit Fred Warner, it wasn't hold me back, hold me back. When I say he didn't, I'm doing a fist thing, but he didn't hit him with a fist. He just came flying in and tackled him. Uh, it's not um, hold me back, hold me back, you know, wait till the big guys get here. I mean, he. I think he sent a message. And I think when you take on somebody else's number one guy, you're saying I, I just the way we talked yesterday, Nick Bosa and Trent Williams were going back and forth, talking to each other about drills and, you know, going over some stuff. And then Trent Williams and George Kittle, like they are equals. And I think Brandon Ayuk is saying, I am, I am your, I am an equal, not in terms of just performance, but, but leadership on this but, team. But this is where I use like the tiger analogy. You know, like a tiger, a young tiger or young grizzly establishing like their alpha, they do it with an older, someone older. Like Ayuk hasn't been doing this as like Fred Warner was a starter on a Super Bowl team, right? Like Ayuk was still in college. So part of like when you establish I'm an equal or I'm also an alpha, y- y- like you said, y- you swing up. <laughs> You know, you are like, I know I haven't been as long. And just last year I was in the doghouse, but like, I'm here to stay now again. Like it wasn't, I I wonder if something specifically happened in a meeting room or something over time, or maybe it's just human nature. I mean, I, you and I were talking about in the practice field, the Derek Jeter doc and the dude that Jeter couldn't stand. And then the guy got traded and Jeter tried to act like, you know, I I had no pull. It's like, Derek, you were the star of the team. You clearly, they got rid of him because they knew you hated him, but it's easy to play dumb, but not that that's this case, but not, not everyone is going to be. And I I have no clue. These two guys relationship, but it, it may be fine. It doesn't feel, I mean, it, it's something that I, I wonder if it is a problem. It'll be something that Kyle would have those both those guys in their in his office pretty quick. I mean, those are two of his better players, right? It's not to me. It's one thing. And I've been to a lot of practices where fights happen where it's like 
you know, like a six rounder trying to prove that he's a starter against like the star D tackle, right? right? Or the third round wide receiver taking out the star safety and like that shit. It's a little unique when it's like, uh, you know, Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden. I'm not saying that's the case here, but like Brandon, I mean, two established starters, te- like if you told me Ayuk is a team captain this year, I think it's believable. Fred Warren definitely has been for several years running. It's it's just something to monitor on top of Ayuk establishing him as alpha. Like, do they not like each other? Like that, that is kind of a question. Like, is there something more to it? Because Ayuk specifically said something and then went after this guy twice. This guy twice. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's less likely that he wouldn't say something publicly if there was like a real grudge there. You know what I mean? That he'd be if there was a real issue that he'd be less likely to say something publicly, but yeah, and and part of it, you know, the thing with football, even though they've been in pads two days, they have been practicing. I guess Fred did he really do that much in the off season? I remember him staying on the sideline a lot, so maybe not. Maybe there's part of it like I I don't know. I mean, I, I we could I could have a million theories. Uh, just feels like Ayuk's edgy in a good way. Let's uh do you want to play? I just I wasn't planning we weren't planning to do this, but I have right here. Do you want to revisit what um the minute of what uh Kyle Yuschek told us on the podcast about Brandon Ayuk? Uh yeah. Let me uh let me pull this up here real quick. Why not? It's good audio. Love Brandon, man. This is, um so this is from December of twenty one. Okay. Does that wait, is that right? This was after yeah. This was going into last season. So this is after Ayuk's rookie year. Okay. Oh, I love Brandon, man. Um, I, have, I have a special relationship with Brandon because he has a locker right next to me. We pulled our hamstring the same day in training camp. So we literally went through the same rehab. We're with each other every single day. Uh, so I felt like I got a good inside look at Brandon and just how, kind of how he ticks. And this is a guy that just wants to be great so bad. Like, he wants to put in that work. He wants to grind. Um, and he he just wants to do it. It's not something that he's being forced to or feels obligated. Uh, you know, I was a first-round pick. I got to live up to these expectations. No, like, this it, this was in him no matter what. This guy was going to want to be successful. Um, and he just – he wants somebody to follow. You know, he wants, um, you know, a good veteran leader. And we had a couple – at some points during the season, we had uh, Muhammad Sanu uh, in there for a little bit. But I feel like he would really benefit, um, you know, how Debo did with having Emmanuel Sanders in the locker room. He just needs that mentor, that veteran receiver uh, to, to show him uh, exactly how it's done. Uh, because if, if he sees it, he's going to emulate it and put his own um, style on it. And, and he's, he's just going to be great, man, because he wants it so bad. I mean, he was right. I think we can say now with hindsight, and I think we've reached the point where he is—he is now the leader, Brandon Ayuk, of the group. Uh, I don't know if he's the leader of the group, but I—I I don't think. I mean, he is a leader on the team. I think that much is clear. I agree. Boys, he's one of the better players on the team. Pretty clear. The other they, thing about it, you they, made they, a point. They, that they have, they have talking to someone on the practice field that the Niners staff, I. Say they have high hopes for him. This would be an Eric, You and Eric, yeah. Well, Kyle came over, whispered something. He's like, <laughs> "Keep an eye on 11. <laughs> uh, you said something to me before we started the show about <laughs> John on the stream says maybe Fred is just legitimately annoying. 
Could be. They're they're annoying guys in any office setting on any team, right? Just because you're good doesn't mean you might not be annoying. I mean, you watch that Jeter doc, you're like, God, A-Rod, fuck, would not want to play with that guy. <laughs> he was the best player in the league, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and some guys that suck are really cool. So it's just – and sometimes – and again, I, I think as this goes a little longer, there'll be, you know, the, the guys, the true beat reporters, boots on the ground, we'll try to get if there's a little riff there. Or this was just more like just some good old fashioned alphaing, you know, and Brandon establishing himself. Then, you know, some, you're not going to like everybody. Like as long as they have the same mission, which they clearly do, hit people hard, everything will be fine. And the other thing is, if you are going to have two guys that have a little, animosity I, I, that might even be a stretch in this situation because fights happen all the time in football but let's just say they do you'd want them on the opposite side of the ball right it's not like well they sit together every meeting well actually they never meet together one's on offense one's on defense they don't even practice against each other like once season starts you're installing the offense and the defense against scout teams like it's not how much they're not i mean they spend time together like walking through the facility and stuff but Part of it is what makes football pretty unique. Unlike the other sports is like you're pretty separated when you're on the whatever unit you're on. Like O-linemen aren't just they're not around the DBs that often. Right. I mean, they would be at like lunch and shit, but like football wise, they're not seeing them at practice because like you split up, you split up the field. I guess you do a little one on one depending on, you know, but I, I don't think that much. Can you you made the point to me before we started about. Uh, the personality of some of their best players. I think that's probably an appropriate point here. Well, and again, I'm not comparing them to here. Don't think I'm trying to hype this team up like the late nineties, mid nineties, uh, cheater led Yankees, but you watch the captain, which I highly recommend. It is fantastic. And there is a seriousness to their core group. When you think Derek Jeter, Andy Pettit, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, Bernie Williams. They're very serious when it came to baseball, right? Like competing, winning, just Tino Martinez. Like a lot of their core guy, Paul O'Neill, just all felt the same. Did you Honestly, say Bernie? Who? Bernie Williams. Him? Didn't they kind of look, you know, now talking about it, like a little patriot-y? Like they're not fucking around. Like David Cohn. They are there to win. Like that is the goal. You get around the Niners – like Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, I guess Fred's talking a little bit, but like their core guys, Juszczyk, Kittle, you know, are very, their coaching staff, it is not a screw around group. It's why like a couple guys, younger guys that are always screaming, like really stand out. Not that they aren't even like core guys, they don't even play on the team, but there is not much. I, I, I vividly remember when I first started doing this, and going to Niner practice with Harbaugh and just thinking how serious of a nature that their guys were. And Dante Whitner's out of practice and he still carries himself kind of like that. Like Dante is a pretty just serious. You're like, if you didn't know, you wouldn't probably, cause he's not the biggest guy, how big of a badass he was. But like, once you know, you realize why he fit into that crew, Frank, Justin Smith, Willis, Bowman, Staley, they're guys, you potty. You, uh, you didn't hear a peep. It was just like practice, physical, serious, getting after it. And then obviously the team was awesome. This team, I, I think, and really has the last couple of years. I'll never forget when Sherman got here and started playing. 
you know, you thought like Richards is outspoken. And it's like, nah, this is that practice, like pretty locked in. Yeah. Like, this isn't, this isn't, you know, I ain't playing grab ass out there. It, Jimmy Ward's another guy. Like, you don't hear a peep from Jimmy Ward. He's just out there, serious, his reps, Hufanga fits perfectly in, right? He just, he just of that mold, locked in, dialed. Now we'll find out how good he is, but in terms of mindset, like, is it pretty clear why John Lynch loves the guy? Like, I mean, he is a serious fucking cat. And I would say this, most of the best teams, I'll never forget sitting there with you because your power's out. You came over to my house watching the NFC Championship game when Aaron Donald rallied the troops. We're like, oh, they're fucked. <laughs> and it turns out they were. But I think he's a great example. And he's represented like, the one thing, it's weird. The Seattle Niner rivalry, the, Seattle was a lot louder at the time. Like, to me, the Richard of Seattle was a lot different than the Richard that came with the Niners. And who knows? Maybe it was, he got injured, cut. He was just different more mature i don't know but like this niner team and like that that the rams team are really more like the old school niners team not remember seattle never shut up and they backed it up but like the rams are not a fuck around group like you think like aaron donald cooper cup whitworth now they got stafford it's like they are pretty locked in like really their most gregarious guys are coach you know and i think that works in the nfl it really does. And most of the top teams, when you look around the last four or five years that have kind of been consistently near the top, have had guys that are just all football, all serious, just not screwing around, you know? And when I say not screwing around, I don't mean like one of some beers with their buddies. I just mean like football means, I don't know, like Tom Brady level everything, but like on the football scale, like close to a 10, like much closer to a 10 than like a seven. And that's why, you know, for example, why I think people are kind of hard on Kyler. It's like, bro, you, you can't sustain in this league if you're not all. I watched a video the other day because I was trying to find something funny to make fun of Kyler. And I vividly remember because I ended up on this caddy. He's not Max Homa's caddy, but he's someone's caddy. And I ended up on his Instagram page. And what, he doesn't Instagram that much. And like third, one of his Instagram videos was like he's a big Charger fan. And he had this long post, and it was Philip River. Remember when that last game, and he ends up crying of like, I gave everything I had. This, and it was kind of, they knew he wasn't going to be back, and like he was crying. And this guy's post was just like, you know, it's hard being a Charger fan, but I can't express how much, you know, the crazy part about sports is you root for someone, and you know it means as much to him as it does to you as a fan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we didn't win a Super Bowl with Philip, but it's like, I can't, not a Charger fan worth their salt would say, he didn't every single time. Again, flawed player, but like fucking give his heart, soul, blood, sweat, and give you all he had. That's really all I think sports fans can really ask for. And ideally, when that guy is doing it, is a top guy, is like a Peyton, is a Gronk, is an Aaron Donald, is a Bosa. Like you're gonna have some success. Hell, if you just get a guy that's like above average talent, which is like a Phillip, a Matt Ryan, like you're gonna be in pretty good shape. But when you get a good team, like high level talent, shit, you're gonna win all the time. You know, the only thing that can really derail you are injuries, because if your guys are healthy, you will not lose. Like if the here's what I know, if the Niners stay healthy with their core guys, even with a young quarterback, they're going to be good. They're, they're, it's unavoidable. Now, 13 wins, 11 wins, I don't know specifically, because a lot then would hinge on like, well, can Trey make a lot of third down passes? But they will not, they, they will be an 11 win team minimum. They're just too good and their guys give a shit too much. And that's, I think they're all their guys are like that. And obviously their coach is just a junkie. I think part of it, going back to the Yankees, 
they had won three. I think Jeter was saying this definitely after they'd won two. Might have been after they'd won three World Series in a row. So his fourth. Whatever it was, he said. I forgot know, that they won three straight. Yeah. He said, he said, you know, um, we might make winning look easy, but winning's really, really, really hard. And I think when you talk about serious players, it's guys that understand that winning is really, really, really hard. And that the margins are really thin. And if anybody understands that, it's this group of Niners when you think about it, right? They've been to the Super Bowl. The margins this thin. They almost won and didn't. Last year, they were this close to not making the playoffs. Then they got into the playoffs. Then they go to the NFC Championship game, and they're one step away from the Super Bowl. Had a lead, guy. Second half. Don't get it. Right? So, like, this group understands how hard it is. And I think that's – I think you get serious players when guys realize, is this the rep? That is the difference seven months from now. Is this the hour of film that's the difference between winning and losing week three? And that one win is the difference between going to the playoffs and not. And I think that's probably part of what's really frustrating for Cardinals coaches and players around Kyler. It's like we only have so many shots. And this guy doesn't understand how few opportunities there really are to really win. Because you only get so many. Well, I was, I went to Sacramento to play golf with my brother over the weekend, and I spent the night at my mom's house, and I drove back Sunday morning, and I was just flipping channels. And on Sirius, they replay like Dan Patrick interviews on like NB. I didn't even know NBC Sports had a radio. It's like eighty five. I think it's eighty five. That was really good. I wasn't Dan Patrick just talking to people on the drive home. And one of the guys who was talking, they must have been friends for like 30 years because I had never really heard of him, but he covers the Arizona Cardinals. He, he's like a columnist. They love each other. And they were talking about Larry Fitzgerald. And the dancers asking him, like, does you think Larry still has the itch? And he was talking about the last year for Larry and kind of the, you know, I, he wasn't trying to throw Kyler under the bus. You know, this guy knows something. And can you imagine Larry Fitzgerald? who gave his heart and soul to a franchise that, let's face it, for the most part, someone DM'd me or texted me or tweeted me. The Cardinals have made the playoffs six times in like 35 years. Like they, They've not been very good. And Larry's been at the peak of their moments, right? And you've given everything, and you're old, and then you're like, am I really going to just lay it on the line another year at 38 years old with this? Like, I did it with Carson, and I changed positions because Bruce is like, play slot instead of outside. It'll be the best for your career. Well, it's easy to do. You're like, Carson's all in. Honey Badger, Patrick Peterson. I'm in with a bunch of all-in guys. Calais Campbell. It's a bunch of me's. And then I see we're we're talented. Like, Larry's no dummy. He knows I got some talent. But it's like, I'm going to do it with this guy? I'm out. I'm out. Like, does does Larry quit if it's the Carson Palmer crew? Probably not. If Justin Herbert's his quarterback? No chance. And and I I think that matters. And it's why... Here's the one thing we'll get into Trey later, but like I, I won't, and I don't know enough about him, but I know the way the Niners think about him. And here's what I do know the Niners have a very good feel. And I think this starts with John and Kyle that have an innate feel for this. And, and Adam Peters, who learned from Belichick and was around Elway and is a player himself at UCLA, I, I think they really understand like football character, that they're really good at it. Is like, you know, you bet on football character. And, and because that way, worst case, you're going to hit a floor 
you may not, you may have some limitations that you never get a ceiling, which most guys, unless your name's like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you could argue you'd never hit like did Phillip Rivers truly hit a ceiling? You know, probably not. But his floor was, and Matt Ryan's a good example. He did one year, but their floors have been so high that you just sustain for so long. And just assume that like they nailed Trey Lance's football character, which everyone around the league signed off on and said, like, it's top notch. You you just don't bet against that guy. Most guys fail in the NFL that have like Solomon Thomas failed because he doesn't have any moves. He's not that explosive, right? Like Cleveland Farrell is gonna fail in the NFL. And when I say fail, like not live up to their billing, not because they don't try, not because they don't care. Like he's stiff, he's not explosive. Like Trey Lance clearly big enough, the arm. If he cares enough, which they think he does, the league thought he does, it's good. It's impossible for him not to just be solid. You know, it's just impossible. Yeah, that's why, like, Bosa really cares. Well, he's got the league talent. It's one of the best players in the league. Debo, like, really, really cares. You know, it's like someone someone tweeted at me when I was driving home, like, you know, Ayuk's is, is Ayuk the best wide receiver? It's like, no, it's, Debo looked pretty fucking good. I saw it out there flying around. You know, if this was a well, game, Debo would have scored a couple touchdowns. I'll promise yeah, you that. I mean, <laughs> Debo's skill set doesn't translate as well to flashing in practice. Well, yeah, because Ayuk, no Ayuk goes down the field. Right. Yeah. Ayuk is their best downfield threat without question. We'll see Danny Gray, whatever. But, but here's, here's what I, we were talking about yesterday. Like, while they can't tackle – Right, D- Debo breaks tackles. You know, like, yeah, he probably would have broke half of those tackles. Well, Jimmy Ward just gave him like a light kind of tap. Not even a tap. I mean, I think in real life, if it happened to one of us, we'd end up on our side. And you could, Debo did not break stride. He's like a little bowling ball. I mean, it's, it's wild. Muscle. Donald, thank you, Donald, on the stream. Says greatness is in the details and the small thing. Great preparation equals great results. Yeah, you, you definitely don't get great results at a high, high level with half-assed preparation. Well, and the only way to prepare at the NFL level, at the highest level, is like you got to be obsessed. It's it's not like the other sports. Baseball, you just play every day. In basketball, like so much of it is like obviously you work at it. Like the highest level guys are working their ass off. But when you play, it's like, I mean, Giannis, LeBron, these guys, Anthony Davis. I mean, he's like even Clay. Like he's a six foot seven and a half human being. I mean, he's just, these are not, they, they are athletic outliers in the world. Like, there are a lot of guys, you and I are standing next sideline, like Jimmy Ward, Debo, like, they aren't the biggest human beings. Like, I mean, they're thick, they have muscles, but it's like, it's their desire to work at their craft. Like, football, of all the sports, does just entail the most work because you're constantly practicing and yeah. lifting and studying. Like, that is the majority of the time, think about it this, if you're Jimmy Ward, you get 17 games. Well, the majority of time you spent like all OTAs, all training camp, all week, film room, weight room, practice field. Like you actually don't play that much, right? Like the 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 ratio, if you're an infielder of infield practice to playing, if you're a full-time starting shortstop is like you're way more playing the games than you are taking infield, right? Not even close. How, how long do they take infield on a given day? 20 minutes? They don't take infield. They might go out there during BP and take some grounders, but there's no, you know, rarely is there a team like infield. A, That's yeah. a college thing. <laughs> okay, know? so when I see a guy taking grounders, league. he chose to go out there and get a little work. Right? Yeah, or it might be part of the deal. Like, you just take some grounders during batting Rotation. Yeah. yeah. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. 
for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's... Only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out. Or concerts. Game time app. Promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lucas on the stream says, I replaced my after-workout smoothie with Tito's. Results haven't been what I wanted, so I quit working out and am focused on consuming more Tito's. Good call. <laughs> Great call. Uh, John, there was a, a message here about... Buh, 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 where did this go? I just I think we spent, we spent so much time, you know, in the draft, and this is the hardest part about doing what we do, because you just talk to one person in the NFL... They give you like seven nuggets. You're like, God, if I knew that, I wouldn't have liked that guy. Or God, if I knew that, I, I would have put, I would have started tweeting like, I think this guy's going to be a star. The amount of information that you have to have on the human being, like think about the majority of time on the top, like 100 guys in a draft are spending talking about what's he like? How much does he like football? What's, you know, I had a trainer DM me. Like, how often do scouts talk to trainers? I'm like, that's one of their go-do people. Like, how do they act in the training room? How do they treat you? If they get hurt, how do they rehab? Like, all that stuff, like, you're going to get hurt. Whether that's just like a, a pinky toe bruise or whether it's a major injury. So you're going to spend time, like, training room's unavoidable. So all these things dictate how you get a good team because ultimately your team is going to be just a lot of guys that better spend a lot of time working on football. Most the majority of human beings aren't just going to be, if, if your team's good, just be like, I, I do everything off talent. I don't even try that. Or that's well, saying I mean, that everyone works at the same level. Like I bet if we do even nitpick like the top 10 Niners, there'd be some guys that put more effort than others, you know? 
because what if I told you know maybe Nick Bosa spends less time studying film and more time on himself in the weight room? Something that just works for him. Like it, we could nitpick, and I'm not even saying that's the case, but well, like Trent Williams, hard worker, right, or like a prepared player. He made a comment the other day that Bosa's already sweating by the time I start my stretch. Yeah, and I, that doesn't I've mean that Trent Williams also doesn't work hard, right? But I've been told by people that like Trent Williams not a huge weight room guy, like relative to Bosa and Kittle. And, and that's where they're at the highest, highest level. It's like, well, I'm going to nitpick Trent Williams. Like, is strength an issue? You know? Right, right. He was, strength, he, real strength. He's lucky enough to be given, God-given, one of the great left tackle bodies, like, in the history of the league, right? <laughs> like, even, I remember talking, remember when we talked to Joe Staley, Joe's like, uh, me compared to him, like, what are we talking about? And Joe was one of the greatest Niners offensive linemen in the history of the franchise. And he, he'd be the first to admit, like, yeah, this guy's on a different level than me. I mean, Joe went to, like, five, six Pro Bowls. So they're at the highest of high levels. There are, like, certain things that... Well, it'll be interesting if Robert Kimdiche makes the team and or makes any impact for them. Because, you know, it's hard to know when you just watch a practice. But I've we've both watched him for a couple of days. He acts different than everybody else. He is out there talking a lot, interacting with the fans. Um, I'm not going to say it's weird, but I, I definitely pick up some look at me vibes. Uh, well, it stands out on a non look at me team, right? Yeah. It's weird. It's, I don't know if he's a fit for them from a personality standpoint because he, I don't know. I, again, we'll see, we'll see. Maybe it's authentic and he's just happy to be there. He's thrilled that he's got a chance and he's happy to see the fans, but, um, you know, it's, it's odd. He's an outlier in that way, and I don't know if he fits with them. But maybe, you know, they. this is Chris Kacarek is – this is what he does. And they've got high-level guys on that team. If he doesn't make it with them, I don't know how he's going to yeah. make it. Now, I, they, I, are, they are deep, which is the one thing that works against him. I, I would say he's kind of taken – the loudest guy previously was 99 Javon Kinlaw, who – we haven't seen much of because, you know, after an off day, got a scheduled rest day, which, you know, a little unique, but, you know, we got to keep this guy healthy. He has been, but then he again, jumped in a little. I, I would say he's been tame relative to, it feels like he's kind of mellowed out a little bit. Maybe they've told him, like, let's just, let's just stay focused on your role instead of trying to do whatever you've been doing. Because it felt he was a little Kamdiche ish for the first couple of years. Didn't you agree? Uh, little I different. Mean, yes, I, I'm no, not, I think it was different. I think it was less look at me and more just kind of maybe riding a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. He, Kim DJ is, but here's why Kim DJ could get away with it. Probably more than 90% of people in his shoes. He does physically look like a high level NFL player just standing there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just I haven't seen this yet. Somebody mentioned this in the chat before we get to something else from the Niners. Pornbot. <laughs> Keenan Allen. Whoop, it's not going to work. Never mind. I guess Keenan Allen. There's a video of him walking Making around. Making fun of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had yeah. the video loaded, but Broncos country. Let's ride. Keenan was saying a lot of that. He, he no, he kept saying Chargers fam. He just he was a oh, yeah, Chargers Bolt fam. Bolt fam. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he, it was. I I thought it was in jest. You know, he was fucking around. You don't think he was taking a little well, shot? Well, he is because yeah, yeah. like every human took shots, but he was <laughs> he wasn't like being malicious with it. He was no, no, around. no, just, just having a good time. Uh, speaking of having a good time, John, 
How about Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> off on the sideline looking good? Uh, Jimmy, so people who aren't there, there are two practice fields. There's bleachers. Then there's a third kind of smaller practice field where, like, the specialists spend some time. That practice field, which is the closest one to the Niners facility, um, the fans have their backs turned to it, but they can turn. And so when we showed up, when we were allowed out to Niner practice, we could turn and watch Jimmy Garoppolo probably with, I don't know, uh, 30 yards between fields away from Trey Lance, just working out. I, I Throwing the ball, getting a sweat in, John, getting loose, and um, waiting for his time. You said it's one of the it's the weirdest thing you've ever seen at an NFL camp. Let me rephrase it. It's the most normal, bizarre, weird thing I've ever seen. Because it, it 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 doesn't feel like there's no contention. There's no weirdness on the camps, right? There's no like Jimmy's like fuck you, and, and Kyle's like go home. It, it's not. There's it no infinitely there, weird. Right? Yeah. There's no anxiety actually there. But at, like different people, like Sean walking around, that's weird. At yeah, Texas, one hundred percent. But like the coaches are passing him, talking to him. Mike Shanahan's coming, tapping him on the ass, bullshitting with him. It's it Mike is, Shanahan is bullshitting <laughs> with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's the most normal, bizarre batshit thing I've ever seen. Mayoko, Cam Inman, these guys have been around the league. All agreed, it this is unprecedented. Yet, I do agree that like it's normal if Jimmy wants to make it normal, and he's making it normal. Like it's. It's not, it shouldn't be normal. It wouldn't be normal anywhere else. Guy, if this was happening in Philadelphia, in Dallas, I, it would be a zoo. But I, I think everyone's so numb to it. Jimmy's cool with it. It it, it kind of works watching it. I, I put my scout eye on for just a quick, like, two minutes when he just threw a couple. I was like, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's better than 50, you know, 15 might be strong, but minimum eight to 12 starting quarterbacks right now. Like he looked healthy. He could make, he threw a couple deep balls. I mean, he can throw it. Remember rap sheet, like 40 yards. He can throw it 40 yards. He can, he's looking like normal Jimmy Garoppolo, tan on point, sweating with good shape. It, it was trainers, but it kind of had, they had the vibe of like, you know, the Garoppolo brothers, a little smaller, but they were all out there catching. Jimmy did a couple of these, like, you know, he's like <laughs> setting them up. And it just, this is a quarter. It, what team guy right now in the National Football League has a guy who is a legitimate NFL starter? No one argues that. He is a lock to be a starter in 2023 when he can just free agency starts and he just pick a team. Just on their team who is kind of available for trade and they will eventually cut just around, but not practicing. But yet in a weird way, and we mentioned this, if Trey were to break his leg, he would enter practice the next day. It is it's crazy. I mean, it, it really, but it's not. That's what's so wild. About He's it. gone. But then if something crazy happened, he'd be right back in a heartbeat like that. If the worst possible scenario happened for the four. What would you, what about a high ankle sprain? Trey might miss like two games. I think he's gone. High ankle sprain a month minimum. Then they try to, they try to get Jimmy to take a pay cut. What do you think about this? Someone brought this to my attention as a theory. And I was like, you know, watch it today. Maybe I'm wrong. Could they go to him and say, hey, $8 million base salary. We will give you every if you if he gets hurt in every game you start, we give you a 1.2 bonus, right? So you could if you start 10 games, all of a sudden you're at 20 million bucks. 
Is that on the table? Because after leaving today, I was like, shit, if you told me that he just their backup quarterback, I mean, look at their backup quarterbacks. I mean, they, he would 1 million percent be the best backup quarterback by a wide margin in the NFL immediately. Well, would yeah, I mean, I do think, don't. Do you think Kyle is open to bringing him back as a backup quarterback? Yeah, but I don't. But see, unlike right now, where they can just keep him on the side and on their team, they're in total control. They're not in total control of bringing him back as a backup. I mean, they are if they wanted to pay him, you know, twenty-seven million dollars, right? If they want to pay him twenty-seven million dollars, then they can just make him their backup, and he can't do anything about it. You think he'd do that? For $27 million, I think that he would do. But they don't want to do that. Would you contemplate doing that? Yes, absolutely. Because as you, and to your credit, you made the point today, like, well, does he want to go play for the, does he really want to play for the Seahawks? Everyone keeps saying he's going to go to Seattle. What world does Jimmy Garoppolo, who comes from Belichick and now Kyle and won a bunch of playoff games, want to risk one of the worst teams in the NFL? So, well, and his best wide receiver is a deep threat. Jimmy Kitt doesn't throw deep. Well, he could throw deep to DK. Just why? Because DK, well, yeah, I mean, I think that would work a little better. But is his stock higher if he's played a season with the Seahawks or been the Niners backup in next year's offseason? Niners backup 100%. But he also, he's not going to be the Niners backup for 8 million. At that point, he'd be like, no, no, no. You just release me. I'll sit on my own, but he's not a lock to get. He's not a lock to get eight million at September first. No, right? but he's rich. Like I think he just wants to be a starting quarterback. So if I were Jimmy, are we, and sure, are we sure after witnessing today <laughs> that he's rich or that he wants to be a starting? That quarterback? That he wants to be a starter. That he's just kind of cool, just going with the flow. I, I mean, I, I think he is going with this situation. But I watched a guy last year who competed his ass off, and I think I'm not saying that he doesn't want to play football. I'm saying he but wants like, to be a starting quarterback. Would Matt Ryan do this? Just wait, you mean? I'm saying, like, let's just say Matt Ryan had been in the situation. They had, like, would Matt Ryan be on the side of Falcons practice doing this? I think we all agree it probably wouldn't happen to a guy no. in that statue, yeah. right? I'm not saying Jimmy's but it may, it, You know, again, like, we talked about this. It may be that come next Monday or next Wednesday that maybe there's an internal drop-dead date with them. Like, we will release you if we don't have something done with you by day X. Um, cause you I, and I are, I, are basically, I, I felt pretty normal today watching everyone just kind of, Hey, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy. But, but I think, I think Kyle Shanahan would have to acknowledge that that is not the ideal situation for Trey Lance to have Jimmy Garoppolo around as his backup quarterback. It's, it's 100%. It is the greatest protection for the team in theory. If you are getting it, the thing is, this is so hard to measure. Like we're talking about Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter. No one debates. Even Jeter said in the doc, Alex's numbers are so much. I can't win a, a debate about numbers. He said, I'm not blind. But he does have the rings. And even that sometimes feels like a cop-out. But the one thing I thought watching, Jeter makes these plays. Jeter threw a runner-out at home in game one of the World Series against the Mets. And it's just the play that I wondered, like, A-Rod's made some great plays. But would A-Rod have made that play? It's really impossible to measure. It's clear that you are safer if Jimmy Garoppolo is your backup and Trey Lance is your starting quarterback if Trey Lance should get hurt. What's hard to measure is, well, what does it take away from Trey Lance's ability to be your starting quarterback if you've got this sort of safety net behind him who also happens to be a guy 
who's been to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game. And I think even Kyle would acknowledge, yeah, it'd be it'd be nice having a really good backup around, but that's not what's best for Trey Lance. You think Kyle was okay we, going to be a Nate Sudfeld to be his backup week one? You think he's just reserved to that? Kind of what, feels that way. I haven't really thought that much about it. Other option is get Jimmy to be his backup quarterback. Yeah, or, you know. Sign somebody? Sign a guy that gets cut. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I. If you're I a betting really, man right now, you'd say Nate Sudfeld's the backup. Well, who are they going to? I don't think he's okay with it necessarily. But, I mean, I think he does fit the bill of the types of quarterbacks Kyle has won with before. Trey Lance is the, the guy that's – Trey Lance is different than anybody yeah. Kyle's coached since Washington, right? Yeah, he's had a lot of guys that can't move and not great arms. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it's debatable that to say keeping Jimmy is could best protect the team. I, I think it's not what's best for Trey. My point on Jimmy is if you're Garoppolo, wouldn't you rather get cut and wait on your own to see if somebody needs you week three, let's say, than be their backup for eight? million dollars even if you may not get eight million dollars somewhere else at some point the price of just you're willing to give something up to control your own destiny and remember jimmy was sitting on the bench when the niners traded for him it's a long time ago though now i'm just saying he has the experience of joining a team mid-year and immediately making a positive impact stepping right in and being able to play five game win streak like 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 i don't think I wonder if Jimmy is not afraid of that. You know, I heard someone say the other day, and I th- I remember thinking it was insane, but I actually believe like, I was wrong questioning. Do you remember when Jimmy arrived? People are like, they're n- they're not dead set on extending him. They are they are prepared potentially to franchise and trade him and still get Kirk Cousins. And remember, we were like, like, what are they talking about? Looking back, I I actually think that was true. <laughs> I think when they did the trade, let's do the trade, figure it he out. Fell in our like, lap. Right, he fell in our lap, get a trial period, but we know for a fact we still want Kirk Cousins and we can trade him. But then he won those five games. And they're like, shit, you know, <laughs> might as well. Instead of paying 25 more million for Cousins, just keep this guy. The difference might, even if Cousins we think is a little better, like we'll just take Jimmy. I actually believe that. Because remember that tweet? We all, everyone's like, What? They're going to franchise and trade Jimmy and still go after Cousins? That's, that's insane. I actually think that was true. If there were no Prague or no John Lynch, Kyle might have still done it. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> At the five-game win streak, there was a lot of momentum for keeping the little hot shot. And they ended up signing him to a contract that made sense for the team. They ended up going to a Super Bowl and an NFC championship. I think they made the right decision. Like with Kirk Cousins, what it turned out with Jimmy is eventually you need to find a better quarterback if you're really trying to take the next step. Do you, th- do you think if you gave Kyle over a couple Tito's and said, hey, I got a button for you, you can go back to the 2018 offseason when you had to decide on Jimmy and Kirk Cousins. Would he, If he could do a do-over, would he have signed Kirk Cousins and tr- franchise and traded Jimmy? Um. I wonder if he thinks, you know, Kirk Cousins hits Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl. But remember, they beat more Kirk durable. Cousins. They beat Kirk Cousins. Pounded his ass. He probably does. I, I don't know. I mean, I. that's a great question. He got edgy about that last year, remember? I bet he does it. Kirk Cousins had some really good, has put up some huge numbers. I think he does. Yeah. And he's been durable. Part of, I think one thing he'd say about Jimmy is like, I, I could live with Jimmy 
if he played 16 straight games, five straight years, but that just wasn't the case, right? The ACL, then the the COVID year when he missed a bunch of games. Part of Jimmy's problem has been, ironically, as he's rehabbing right now, has just been durability. Like it is a, if Jimmy had just been healthy the whole time, I think we'd view him as a flawed player, but he'd be viewed a lot better. He disappears a lot, like just being legitimately hurt. Like he's just like, it's oh, this- true. But I do think, and and they've stopped telling what I believe is a lie. This lie, which is if Jimmy weren't hurt, remember there was like that. Well, you know, Jimmy wasn't available, so it was time to move on to try and find Trey. It's like no, Jimmy had proven to not be at the level of the guys that win the Super Bowls, and we needed to upgrade a quarterback. the The only thing I'd push back on that is if Jimmy. The year that they he missed ten games, let's just play. Say he plays all sixteen. What if they win ten? They can just go back to the playoffs, and so they've gone Super Bowl back to the playoffs. One, they it would have been much harder. To, they went from twelve, remember, to three. It just would have been. If it would have been remember harder. how remember how poor their quarterback play was. Yeah, I do, I do, but I also think it's. I think I'm, I'm not disputing that they wouldn't every, possibly be looking, but it would have been harder for them. It's harder to this is why people like, you know, winning going nine and seven every year doesn't help you out. You're getting a quarterback. Right. So like the Eagles like, well, you're going to find out if Jalen's the guy. Well, what if they go 10 and seven again? It's like, well, we don't. Our team's good. We don't really love him. Well, how do you get up? I think um, every offseason, it's easy to forget how dissatisfied at times Kyle Shanahan looks with Jimmy Garoppolo on the sideline. During during the season, you know how how many frustrating moments there are. I think he knew it was time to move on. Injuries or no injuries, you gonna have a couple this year. It'll be interesting if it'll be frustration or just like ready for the rapids. You know, it's it's one thing like well, part of Jimmy is like Jimmy, you're seventh year pro. What what are we doing? And there's another thing of like he threw a pick like he's young. Also. And we can talk about this with Trey. There's going to be a flip side to the bad plays that you didn't have with Garoppolo, right? Part of the thing with Garoppolo is that he plays like Favre sometimes, but without leading the league in touchdowns. And never throw sweet, deep touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that is – and we could talk about Trey Lance here. He was doing it today, guy. He does that rollout drill. It's like, Jimmy, I, I don't think you need to practice the rollout drill where you throw it on the run to your right. Like, I, I would – my my drill, Jimmy, if you got to roll out, throw it away. Just throw it, you know, like golf where they just hit the grandstands. Just throw it into the grandstands. <laughs> we don't need the rollout drill on the move. That's Jimmy, that's a pick. <laughs> what fun is that, John? Yeah, I know, but it's, that, that's that's a drill I'd scrap. Let's talk about Trey Lance because we talked about him a lot uh, on uh, after Monday's practice. Red zone uh, was what really stood out there. No red zone for the 49ers uh, in 11-on-11 11 11 Tuesday practice. And I think some of what we saw – is what the upside of Trey Lance will be at practice today. Um, several downfield throws, one-on-ones, more so than in 11-on-11. Um, he, hit, he hit in 11-on-11 George Kittle on a nice sliding catch kind of over the middle by the right hash where he had to really step up and throw the ball hard. Um, he hit down-the-field throws, 45 air yards, a 65-yard touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. Again, one-on-ones against Jimmy Ward. Should have had a touchdown to the other side to Juwan Jennings, who dropped the ball at the 15. Um, had a 60-yard, probably 40, 45 air yards down the right sideline. Uh, and a one-handed catch to Malik Turner. It was a very nice play, one of their receivers. And he ended up running it into the end zone. Again, these are one-on-ones. But, you know, the, the Niners, 
outside the hash marks and down the field is a no-fly zone in the Niners' offense the last several years. It just didn't happen, right? More more than 20-plus yards down the field didn't happen. Certainly 40-yard throws down the field did not happen. I think Jimmy had the second-fewest attempts, 20 yards or more down the field in the NFL last year. Only Daniel Jones had fewer. And um, the basically half of his throws come within, I think, 15 uh, fifteen yards of line of scrimmage between the hash marks. Who, James but, G? James G. So uh, this is what's different. This is – you're going to give some stuff up, some experience. But I was thinking about it today. On the checklist of things that Kyle Shanahan wants out of Trey Lance when he made the switch where he wants to be better than he was, Red zone is not high on that list. Red zone, Kyle can handle red zone, but it's some of the stuff we saw down the field of practice today that that's why he did what he did. They well, did do, they do did. you think if Jimmy Garoppolo was under contract for the next several years and Trey Lance was on some other team and they were just humming along with Jimmy as their starting quarterback, they draft Danny Gray high in the third round? Probably Jimmy Garoppolo's his quarterback wouldn't yeah. make as much sense. No. Why did the Chiefs start drafting different type players once they got Patrick Mahomes? They have much more speed on the outside with Danny Gray. Ayuk's been around, but let's face it, Ayuk was a little underutilized, I think some people would say, with his ability to stretch the field. So yesterday, I hard on him, it was just it wasn't it was a tough day in the red zone for the offense. And once a tough day for the offense in a practice, like I, I can't really judge the practice script. So I, I can't crush the play caller. I just, we go to the quarterback <laughs> and whether it's all his fault or not talking to Dante Whitner, who was on the other side in the red zone. The first thing he says is in the red zone as a quarterback, your, your speed of going through your progressions has to like amplify threefold because the timing it's way faster. It, it, it just happens faster. Well, and I said this yesterday, at the 50-yard line, you got a little more time, especially when he's just running. Andy Reid's favorite play, all go special. Now, the Niners, not in a million years, unless like they're down in the Super Bowl or a last-second game, are running all go special. They can run multiple go routes right now and let Trey, whoever you like, whatever matchup you like, let it rip. And he's going to hit some of those. And that's why Danny Gray can fly. Ayuk can fly. Debo can run that pass. You know, you could do it to him. Kittle, hell, just on a on a basically down the seam go route. I guess Jimmy could kind of hit, but it feels like most of even Kittle's action was like ins and outs and just shit kind of sitting in zones. And then he made the rest happen. That that can counterbalance. Like part of learning the red zone, it takes years to figure it out, be comfortable with it. I'm fine with that. That's part of drafting a guy, big picture. But right away, you should be able to utilize the arm. Go back to once upon a time with Kaepernick. One thing that immediately changed, and this is part of having Alex Smith, who kind of fits the Jimmy mold, and it happened with Cap, and then it obviously happened on a much higher level with with uh, Mahomes, is the explosive passing game. Like when you really look back at the Niners, like. Kaepernick's number, he wasn't picking you apart. It was like, you know, he was 30, he was 32 of 38. Like, no, it was always games like 12 of 19. But sometimes he would throw for 250 yards because he hit two plays of 60 yards a pop, which are the Niners, their only 60-yard plays have been runs or a play where Debo breaks seven tackles. When you can just hit the go route, imagine being in a tie game 
third quarter, two minutes left in third quarter. And it's like, ah, this thing is going down to the wire. Niners are at their own 30. You know, it's third and eight. All of a sudden, they hit a 50-yard play. Flips it. A couple plays later, they score. They end up winning by 14. That wasn't like, let's face it, under Jimmy Garoppolo, if they didn't hit a big run or an unreal screen pass from Debo, their scores were methodical. It took them time. They were not a quick-score offense. And the way you quick-score an offense, the, Josh Allen has this, Herbert has this, obviously Mahomes, and I'm not saying he's those guys by any means, but he does have the ability to just throw a 50-yard bomb, right? And they got some guys you can just throw 50-yard bombs to, and that is a curveball that Kyle has not been – he just didn't even call that play. And, and rightfully so. There was the point of calling the play. It was just not – it wasn't in the arsenal. It's like – why don't you throw a slider? I don't know how. Like, why, why don't you throw a go route? Because it ain't going to work. So why even waste time? Yeah, the 14 play drives with 11 runs is fun, but sometimes you need to be able to score fast. Well, it's sweet. Like the first series of the game against the Cowboys, like we're going to fuck you up. It's another or when, you have, like, or when you've got a 10 score lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Right. yeah. What about like you're seven, down minutes, seven. Yes. seven minutes left? You're down 10. You're like, well, we got to we gotta pick up the pace here, guys. <laughs> you know, we got to score twice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody DM'd us or maybe it was somebody made a comment on one of our YouTubes the other day. They were like, you guys talk about how much Kyle Shanahan loves just running the rock. Don't forget. I mean, when he had Matt Ryan, he loved throwing the football too. Matt Ryan led the league in air yards per attempt back in 2016 at over 10 yards. Julio. And, and it's true, right? Like Kyle does love running the rock, but he also likes throwing the ball down the field more than he has with Jimmy Garoppolo. There is more of a balance that he would like because at the end of the day, Kyle, Kyle is a Kyle does like style. He loves substance and he loves pounding it at you. But Kyle also loves to, you know, turn to the tell John Lynch and be like, watch this. Emmanuel Sanders is going to be open down the middle of the field and hit it. And, um, you know, the Niners, that is an element that they just didn't have. And, and I think it's, I think it's a part, I think Brandon Ayuk might benefit the most from any of anybody this year uh, with the addition of Tracer, because that's not really Debo. Juwan Jennings is not separating down the field. Really? That's I, maybe Danny Gray. We can talk about that. Um, and that's also Ayuk, but it's primarily Ayuk. Yeah. I'm, I, I would expect them to try to establish some deep passing games, which they did a couple times last year. Remember Houston, some play action, deep bombs like that is just going to be an element of the offense that is going to get implemented. I think early and often. Because it's an area where you can scheme a shot. You know, I remember when I was with Andy and Michael Vick, like that was they would scheme him several shots. Now there it's it's not a high completion, right? It's not a 70% like on an out round. I heard someone say the other day, was Steve Young? It, it was some former quarterback, I mean a high level guy that's like, you know, I think we need to throw a completion percentage a little out the window. Like, what does that even mean anymore? Like basically like Everyone hyping up like oh, he's a sixty-eight percent passer. Well, yeah, it's fucking guys are wide open. You know, you, a lot of your passes are screens and quick routes. Like, but I mean, relative to the, is he saying like historically or just relative to the? Because I would say relative to who? Yeah, this who is like else it's, is playing the sport today. Yeah, it's relative. not it's not that relatable. The history of the sport, it's just so much different. I, again, I, I'm kind of butchering exactly his point, but ultimately, what I'm saying, it's obviously easier to complete a higher percentage now. But a deep pass is still a deep pass. It's the, always going to be the hardest pass. Right. It, it really is. It's not. It's probably closer to like 35, 40 percent than it is even 50. If you're a 65 percent passer, just because there's more room for error. You have several defenders down there. Um, it's why, you know, 
you just sit and watch football for 17 weeks, college and pro. It's a lot of quarterbacks do just miss wide open guys deep down the field, let alone contested. Like it's just, a, it is a difficult pass, but it's why you got to rep it a lot in practice. And, you know, you need a combination of either height guys that can go high point balls. The Niners don't really have or speed guys and strong arm quarterbacks, which I do think the Niners fall under that category. I would say Ayuk is showing an ability to play bigger than he is. Yeah. They have guys with great ball skills, but part of like when you have great ball skills and you're DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, you just give a huge radius, right? It's like throwing an alley-oop to a center. Like you throw an alley-oop to John Morant, like the, the margin's a little different than throwing one to Anthony Davis. Like I remember when remember when AJ Brown like single handedly beat the Forty Niners. It's like you could throw this ball to anywhere. This guy it looks like he's six six. Remember how big he looked, <laughs> just like in that game. It was like Jesus, this guy. And I, following the Eagles pretty closely, it's like the Niners just don't have that guy, but they do have very very highly skilled smaller players. They're the two best wide receivers, right? And when I say smaller, relative to you know some of the bigger wide receivers in the league, they're good too. Ayuk's a little bigger than you think when you get closer to him. Yeah. I always notice that. Uh, I did get this DM today. I thought we could address it. This is from Derek. He says, uh, huge fan of the show. What do you guys think Trey Ceiling is this year? His overall game reminds me of Watson's. I think 25 touchdowns and 10 picks would be a win for him this year. Go Niners from Peoria, Illinois. Derek. 25 touchdowns, 10 picks. Would you take that? Yes. I think you'll also get a handful of rushing touchdowns. Um, and I think he, he they will create – think about it this way. I, I mean, I was thinking about it this way today. There are two areas of stress the Niners offense can create – can put on the Niners – sorry, let me try this again. There are two areas of stress the Niners offense can put on a defense that they did not do it last year. Downfield throws and the quarterback run, right? Yeah. If it, like are, there is an you, added element for them. Are you going to take over or under like 19 and a half touchdown passes? I take over. I mean, I don't think it's going to be you know, like, like to me in the 21 to 20, I think we predicted this probably. I don't, but I, to me, like the 21 to 24 range would feel like a successful year. How many did Jimmy throw last year? 24, I think. So also missed games. Uh, 20. Missed a couple games. Plus what, did Trey, plus what would Trey have had? Like four? He threw one to Debo. Eh, four. Five. Threw a couple to Debo. He threw, 25 he five passing touchdowns from Niners. Okay, yeah. 20, uh, five and two. Five and two. Feels like we got some spammers in the chat. Well, <laughs> So here's the deal. Like um, when somebody, if you ask, this is talking to the YouTubers. If you ask us a question, what we have here is I, I star questions on the side. If you ask us a question while we're in the middle of another topic, because what we do is we cut up these topics. Um, the this video, is a, this is a podcast. You know, there's not. It's talking. a podcast. And then the videos that we, if we're doing a specific topic, those videos get cut up. So if you ask us a question that's not on the topic of the video we're doing, and it's a question worth addressing, or if you paid for it, there's a place I can star it and we can get back to it later. We have never not gotten back to a question. That A got starred, definitely if somebody pays for it, but you don't have to. There are plenty of questions we answer that no one gave us any money for, which is fine. But if you ask us a question in the middle of a discussion that is uh, off topic, we get back to it. Like, for example, I've got one here that wasn't on topic, didn't have a chance to get to it until 
now or i got to it earlier somebody give us some money for tito's uh somebody asked us about tito's well eight minutes before that jay gave us 10 bucks to ask us a question about the o-line jay's been waiting longer than these than this guy jay's not complaining jay's waiting his turn thank you jay appreciate it and uh, we'll get back to jay so somebody asked about tito's and you know squeaky oil gets the wheel all that kind of thing so we can get back to it but that's that's our that's our situation if we're in the middle of one discussion and the comment doesn't factor into that topic, we'll get back to it because then when we cut the video up into 10 minutes, it screws up the whole thing. Uh, why are you laughing? Oh, wrong one. Your draft player that went to Coachella. Is that this weekend? This is a hell of a question. Uh, I paid you money now. Dance. I, I don't think it's as... They, Got it. Thanks for the clarification. So you just fly off the handle acting like a crazy person until somebody directly you're like Britt McHenry at a DMV. Uh, no, not it, a DMV. Day. No, it was a DMV. It was a tow yard. In fairness to Britt, I, I will say this. If if I would have been remotely worth videoing, my experience at the tow yard wouldn't have been. It, when did you I have did, a tow yard experience? When we were at a radio show, my car was towed. Cost me 500 bucks. I remember that. I thought my car got stolen. stolen. I mean, I, I lost it. It was, I just, I get the heebie-jeebies even thinking about fucking parking down there again. Uh, okay, so the question was, why did Tito's drop y'all and just got them back? We have a deal with them for the football season. And then we had another deal with them for the football season. So we signed a six-month deal last year, signed another six-month deal this year. Okay. We're happy to answer any question. Yeah. I think we've, we've, uh, in our, uh, in our years here, taken everything head on. Is everybody satisfied? Yeah. I mean, guy got caught drinking tequila. They dropped us. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we got suspended like, uh, Stephen Ross, six months. <laughs> we had to prove that all we were drinking were Tito's. Well, we had to do a loyalty thing. Yeah, I, said, no they, I get pee tested and they don't want to see any water. No, I just want to see yellow urine with Tito's. Uh, okay, Niners, Niners rookies. We were talking, is it the first three? Maybe it's the first four. Um, Drake Jackson, Ty Davis Price, Danny Gray. And I would even add Spencer Burford, the fourth round pick from UTSA. Last two days... All four of them have shown up in their own ways. What numbers, uh, Buford? Uh, Burford. Burford? Oh, Burford. Oh, actually, I wrote Buford. 74. 74. He's been repping at guard. Burford. B-U-R-F-O-R-D. So, uh, no, when we watched him yesterday, Monday, the first 11-11 play they ran, he was the starting right guard. As a former alignment, he was at right guard as well. I, as a former alignment, I, I tend to gravitate to the skill guys and 71 kind of, but he doesn't really try that much. So I don't spend much. I, I'm not a huge, again, former alignment. I, I, I gravitate toward the edges. Yeah. Perimeter. At one point today at practice, I was on the second field and it changed to specialist drills. Yeah. And I was the only media member on that side of the field. And somebody came up to me, they're like, oh. Big specialist guy, huh? And I was like, honestly, I, they they ran over there, and I just I was DMing stuck. somebody. I just got stuck here. So no, I'm not. <laughs> didn't mean to. Um, but anyway, Niners draft picks, right? Those first four guys all look like 
they're going to have a role on this team pretty early. Yeah, I, I think that the draft class has a chance to be pretty good. I think, and I, I, I was spent some time thinking about this guy. You know, you, me, those of us that live on the West Coast that just have probably watched more USC than they've deserved over the years. I mean, they were last year was a joke. Uh, I mean, really, an, an all-time embarrassment. I mean, I would imagine people like that have been following the program for 30, 40 years. It's got to be one of the worst years in the history of the program, right? Last year at USC. I mean, coach got yeah. fired after I mean, a couple And they, of years. they had some, you know, before Pete, they had some pretty lean years. But that was De- definitely bad. the worst year of the last 20 years. And Drake Jackson, you know, th- there was there was a contingent of people thought going into his junior season, he had a chance to be like a top 15, top 20 pick. Top defensive linemen just don't fall. Yet the weight stuff, we talked about this yesterday, he fell. To me, it's insane that he fell at the end of the second round. But he got caught in the tsunami that was the negativity around the program. Price is a good example of he's really good. He was also in kind of a weird spot, right? LSU the last couple of years have been a disaster. Now, he's a running back. So his ceiling, unless you're like Saquon Barkley, is only so – like you're going in the second or the third round – and Danny Gray, I, I mean, I think those three guys, We there was a play today where Price ran so hard that he ran in to this wide receiver blocking for him that the wide receiver got elevated, hit the ground, and you could tell, felt like he got hit by a Mack truck. Absolutely ruined him. And this guy's got to be thinking, all I'm told is like, you got to block, you got to block for Kyle, you got to block, and I'm blocking my ass off. And then the running back just fucking destroys me. And then Danny Gray's making plays down the field. Now we'll see. To me, the thing with Burford is clearly he's in the mix. Like, I, it's hard to say a lock, but fourth round pick, like, he's going to lock to probably make the team at minimum to be like a guard center swing guy. Once the preseason, like, he's going to have a chance to win the starting position. And if you get a starter at guard or center, in this fourth round, like that's a good pick, but like the other three guys aren't just making the team. Drake Jackson is going to play a lot. Drake Jackson is going to sack the quarterback this year. I don't know how many plays this guy will, you know, or how many carries this guy will get, but I would lean more than you think price is scoring touchdowns this year. Now that could be two. That could be eight, depending on injuries and Mitchell's health. And, you know, if Trey Sermon comes on or Jeff Wilson, like there are other factors that are somewhat out of his control, but he's playing. And when Austin, sorry, let me just correct me. Austin Mack was the wide receiver. Who Austin Mack killed him. I mean, destroyed. And Danny Gray, not only is he making the team, like he has a unique skill. And his skill matches up now with the quarterback that he can stretch the field. And remember, you and I were talking to John Lindster and OTAs, like they were just they thought he was just a good wide receiver, like a very skilled player in the open field, can make guys miss. A couple plays a day, you just see his speed, like he's got talent. And like I would say, again, very early. And the one thing that I learned back when I worked in the league, and I've carried this with me today, is like you can't young guys overreact to the first week or the first two weeks because you get used to the other guy's moves. And I think Trent Williams said yesterday, and this isn't necessarily what I'm talking about, but like, you know, we're going up against defense that's really talented, that knows all our shit. <laughs> so it's like they know all of our plays. And I do think that reflects young guys. Like, why can young guys look good? Because after a while, like, Danny Gray knows exactly Lenore's moves, and he knows how to beat him. Well, what happens? The preseason game, they don't look as good. I'm not saying they will, but that's just, there are all these steps as a young player where you know, like, Trent's going to be fine, Bosa's going to be fine, Fred's going to be fine. That's what you never know. The 
one thing I feel 100% certain on is the two guys. Like Danny Gray, we'll see when he gets against real corners, physicality. SMU, you wouldn't say they're the most play the most physical teams. I know Price does play in the SEC. Everyone in the league thought he was like the hardest runner in the country. Like that guy's physical. That's going to translate. And Drake Jackson, ultimately, I don't know how many plays a game right now he's getting, but if he just gets eight to 10 pass rushes, he's got fucking pass rush talent. He had a play today in one-on-ones. He's got an inside move. He's clearly got the ability to bend. He's explosive. We know that the the D-line coach, like those two guys, that's working. The O-lineman, we'll see. I mean, it's just he's going to get live reps in preseason games against the against the Vikings. Like he's going to have to earn his spot. And Danny Gray, it's like, well, how does he handle press coverage? How does he handle not knowing the coverage? Like there, there's bigger steps. Like I know for a fact, Price, outside zone, hit that shit. He's going to be fine. He and runs Jackson, like a Kyle Shanahan guy. Like Elijah Mitchell. It happens sure. fast. It happens hard. And, and you know, in these practices, not a lot of things. When something physical happens in space, it stands out because not a lot of things really physical happen in space in a no. practice. Fred Warner hitting somebody, that stands out. The Jimmy Ward-Debo kind of collision, right? Yep. Ty Davis-Price. You know, I think the thing, the two plays we saw today. Is there a chance Mac, what are the chances Mac has a pretty big bruise on his back? Hi. He got crushed. As he's trying to block, man. Um, And I think it shows Ty Davis-Price is a through, not around guy, which is what Kyle Shanahan wants. He wants you going through. Uh, Danny Gray had two catches back-to-back, not back-to-back, almost back-to-back, one in which he had a five-yard gap between him and Ambry Thomas. He beat Ambry Thomas, caught it. Another right in front of us where Ambry was on him, Nate Sudfeld threw it this time, little underthrown. Danny had to kind of come back in the air for it, so Ambry's right there. You could take positive or negative, like Ambry had a chance to make a play on the ball, which has been one of the things with Ambry Thomas, right, is being there but not breaking the play up. Biggest pick of the season. Remember, yeah, underthrown. Remember, Danny Gray, what were one of the things with him coming out? Drops. Hands. Well, he goes up, and I, you, Ambry, I thought, played it pretty well. Danny Gray made the play on a contested catch. So I think you're right. It's not going to be about volume for him. He is a he is a spice. The main the stake on this Niners offense is Ayuk and Debo and the run game and Trey Lance. Kittle. But Danny Gray is a little bit – he's a little rosemary maybe this year. He's a little spice. He gives them a little something different, which they can take advantage of. And um, the question with him is, I think, or the key with him is, he's not going to get five targets a game, right? So when Kyle draws it up for him, is he going to make the play? And I thought today in some chances to make plays, he made plays. He's going to get a few opportunities. Yeah, and he's not a lock. Like, if you told me he's obviously going to be on the 53-man roster, but, like, in sweats week one, believable. But there are going to be games. It might happen week one. It might be week six where he's going to be active. And it might be because of injuries that he's going to get some scheme plays. It's on him and Trey to hit him, right? I mean, the pass got to be there. And if it's there, he's got to come down with it. Because more than likely, if the coach is scheming it up, it's going to have a chance to hit, right? We've seen that. Because it's going to be a specific play. Might yeah. be a play action with him kind of beeline on the back, just going 80 miles an hour down the backside. Which I... Like you said, to me, the the second catch, the contested one with Ambry in his face, I love when a when a wide receiver kind of high points and has to like because the guy's like pin it against his body or his helmet. Like that takes a lot of concentration because you're like in midair and you real he's right in front of you and then you because he kind I couldn't tell like against his chest or his helmet, but like that's that's a concentration catch. 
you know? It, the ones are, you either got good hands or you don't if it's going to hit you in the hands, right? Those The ones where you got to high point it with a guy in your face, like, that's the NFL. You know, that's the, that, that, to me, that's even the biggest difference. Like, doesn't happen that much in college. Like, the most, a lot of catches in the NFL and PBUs are, like, right there. That, that's a play that happens once every other series in the league, right? It's like, damn, what a catch, right? Yeah. Damn, what a play by the DB. But it's like, it could go either way. And it's like the best wide receivers or just functional wide receivers. A lot of guys, a lot of wide receivers, guys that play in the NFL have a good chance to bring that down. Just like, honestly, they have the advantage over the DB. Like, I, I think if you just watch the league, like most DBs aren't, like PBUs are kind of outlier. It's usually because of a bad throw more than like, boom, banged it. Nope. <laughs> that ain't happening. But you still bad throw. You still do the nope. Oh well, yeah. If it would have hit his head, Ambry would have been like, "I got it." I was right there. Uh, Gavin asks, "What's the running back depth chart going to look like this year for the Niners?" You know, we were talking about this today with our buddy John Dickinson because you got Elijah Mitchell, you got Ty Davis Price. Well, Mitchell's a starter, right? Yep. Jeff Wilson Jr. I would say he would be the two, just based on seniority, resume. Pretty good. He's a good player. I mean, he's. Is he a two? You know, I, th- I like him as a lot of three, but I just think it's part of being an old school coach. Do you just give a rookie, make him the number two right away? You know, didn't take long for Elijah Mitchell, but Kyle will pivot fast. Yeah, all you got to do is run a couple hard. He's like, he'll just give you carries. There's always some spots for Jamichael Hasty and the Trey Sermon. I thought Sermon had a couple moments. I had a couple bad angles, but it, it looked like he was running hard. To me, Sermon. I guess we'll get into this. It's kind of crazy. They they have a preseason game like next Friday. I would say he would be one of the guys that leading up to that game we'll be talking about. Like it's a pretty big moment for him to like, yeah. Okay, Trey Sermon's making plays. Right. Right. Cause is it inconceivable that's like, listen, he just doesn't fit. We'll just cut him. Maybe they put him on the practice squad or what. I don't think he's a lock to make the team. And I think they're so good, they're not worried about like, wait, you just third round, like whatever. Like they're not gonna be caught up with that. Like if he doesn't earn it, he will not be on the team which you can't always say about last year's third round pick. I would say watching their team, I, they wouldn't even hesitate if they Especially don't. Especially when you it. just used another third round pick on a running back. How many players have more on the line than him in this preseason? I bet he's going to get a lot of carries. Feels kind of like, uh, who's the other Ohio State running back they had who immediately it was like, yeah. Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, yeah. And he ended up having... Sermon yeah. would die to be as good as Hyde. More Hyde, was, yeah. Hyde wasn't that great, but I know what you're saying. It's it's one thing with running backs. God, they do get a lot of hype. Like they're just pretty famous coming into the league if they've played at a bigger program, right? Like if you start a running back at Texas, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Bama, Georgia, <laughs> USC, it's like most people know who you are, right? Casual football fans, like damn, I remember watching that guy a couple Saturday night games. These guys sweet. Right, they just because they're stars in college. Like if you're starting running back, like Bryce Hall at Iowa State, like they just become kind of in the vernacular of college right. football. And a lot of NFL fans, you just end up watching some college football games, and usually the best players are the quarterbacks and the running backs. It's not like I remember this uh, corner, you know, Bijan Robinson of Texas. Well, the hype on him is going to be. I mean, I, I have a buddy that does that area that thinks he's he's like a top twenty pick. But Sermon, that's where Sermon is. 
he's the most famous of the group, even more than Price, because Oklahoma and Ohio State, and then he had those moments for Fields teams, you know, where he, and he broke the – how many people were watching Ohio State in that Big Ten game? Nine million in the Big Ten championship? We we know. I mean, their ratings are – the amount of the people that title? witnessed them. He got he hurt in the natty. But didn't he have like 200 yards in the semi? In the semis, he played really well. It was a big deal when he got hurt. What was it, like 15 million people watching that game? Like he's had – he had an eyeballs on maybe him. more, <laughs> not a lot more, but maybe more. Uh, I want to get back to Jay, who says uh, I missed today's fireworks. Thoughts on the O line? I mean, uh, yeah, it's. Are we sure who their left guard is going to be? No, I again, you got to be careful what you make of the one-on-one pass rush drills. Uh, I, I couldn't tell. It might have been Kondiche. It could have been. I don't think it was. Kin, it wasn't Kinlaw. I don't exactly know who the defensive tackle was, but they have a ton of like very functional defensive tackles. Destroyed Banks. I mean, destroyed him. Which you don't. Guys get bad reps. It's another thing to get like lifted and shoved. It was it, one rep concerning. I, I thought. I think we said this yesterday. You know, second round pick. Notre Dame, lock to start. I don't know if any guard or center is a lock to start on this team. I think the two starters are McGlinchey, Trent Williams, and the rest is kind of open for for business. Is J.C. Treader just going to almost sign with somebody, or is he going to – Maybe he just a, goes into Tampa yeah. Bay Buck. Is he skipping a few weeks of camp? or Yeah, going to, need to, get going to become a lawyer or something. I don't know. I mean, they need a guy, don't they, in Tampa? I, I will say this. If – I, I do think it's fair. Well, I gave a guy a pass the first year, and I remember texting with Schwartz. He's like, you know, when I first got in the league, linemen, non like first round picks, got more time. Most you didn't draft a guy in the third round like this guy to start. If he was good enough, he did. But if he didn't, it wasn't the end of the world, and the guy would start the second year. If Banks can't win the starting job week one, that's a bad pick. Yeah, that's a bad pick. Second rounder by year two when you need him when you. You need him. It's not like he's getting beat out by somebody who... I'd say there's a chance that if Banks proven. can't win the job and Sermon is either cut or like barely hanging on, like it's a little rough stretch, second, third round for the Niners. Yeah, if you hit on Trey Lance, I mean, it's... you know, no, gonna... I know, but it's... Sec- you only get so many second and third rounders. Like I, you can I, find Debo's. You can find Fred Warner's, you know? Well, the second rounder they get for Jimmy Garoppolo will be their chance at redemption. <laughs> That's true. Uh... The uh, Miami Dolphins, John, Mike McDaniel's team, owner suspended, which I don't know exactly what that means. Six games. They lost their first round pick in 2023, and they lost the second round pick. Damn, I didn't know that. They have the Niners' uh, first First rounder, rounder. right? And I, what I didn't realize till you explained it to me, I thought this was all the Brian Flores story. No. But the SEC investigation, or at least the investigator that came from the SEC who ran this investigation, uh, also dug into communication tampering, basically, with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. I think we've learned in the NBA, the only people that get in trouble tampering are the executives and the ownership and the teams. Like, you can be the player and take the phone whenever. Like, you can't tamper as a player. Which Remember to the you, NBA player from – was it Joe Smith from Maryland who had, 
like an under the table. I think the contract he signed, they paid him like under the table. Yeah. The, I remember, the um, Timberwolves. I remember something like that. Yeah. But that's, I, I think the agent got in trouble for that and the team. You know, I, they I think ever, they, yeah, I can't remember. Like, what happened to his money? Yeah, I feel like the, they never blame the player. They just blame the parties that be doing the deal, which I do believe is fair. I will say this about Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady knows what he's doing and knows what he's talking about at 44 years old, talking about equity in the team. Now, it's not. And plus, he's best friends with Stephen Ross's right-hand guy that supposedly, like, gets to own the team. Like, so Stephen Ross is not always going to own the team. He's not going to own the team till death. He's going to give it up. This guy's just going to take over. A little weird. So clearly, this stuff is going to get talked about. Like, welcome to the real world. But I get, like, the way I heard it driving down to practice, people on the radio describing it, again, McAfee and his, his guys, where it's pretty clear that like the Glazers and the Bensons, and it might have been Jason Light, it could have been Mickey Loomis, were like, fuck this. You, you don't get to call my coach or you don't get to call my player. I don't blame those two places for being hot with this guy talking to their guys during the season like that. Honestly, it might be less the Glazers and more like Jason Light. Like you're talking to Tom Brady during the season. What the fuck? Wouldn't wouldn't would that shock you if like internally like their their executive crew was pissed off? Like this is bullshit. There's a, there's a deal with tampering like at the combine, right? And there's another thing like calling my guy in October. Stephen Stephen Ross. Also, if it's your G, your GM trying to back channel, you're the owner. Like all the owners are on the same team with each other, right? GMs are competing against other GMs. Owners are all on the same team. Like, I think that feels more like a betrayal to other teams than if somebody's executive did it, right? Is there a chance, kind of like David Stern booted Michael Jordan, that Roger Goodell told Tom Brady to go away, and then Tom Brady begged his way back in? Oh, that it was like some secret double, double secret punishment? Doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that to Tom Brady? I agree. Plus, Raj owes him, screwed him for Deflate Gate. <laughs> yeah. Sided with Grigson over Tom Brady. That's got to be the worst decision in the history of the league. Sorry, sorry correction. 2023 third rounder. So, a first rounder. 2023 first rounder. Yeah. 2024 third rounder. So, they staggered it for him. For when it's going to suck for Sean Payton when he takes over. I love that, uh, like they, pick. McAfee was making fun. They pay, they find him one point five million dollars. Do you remember when F one went to Miami? I guess it was reported that Stephen Ross made more facilitating that than he did all the Dolphins games. Like the amount of money he just made, like one point five million dollars. This guy, it'd be like, guy, I, I'm gonna find you eighteen dollars and fifty cents. You're like, got me, John. That's that's gonna hurt. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, no going out to eat with my wife this weekend. It's like, give $1.5 million. Like these, the, the draft picks hurt. Like you take away a first round pick. Like, let's say they go seven and 10. Like that's pick 13. Like that's a big deal. The fines are so stupid are so dumb are so dumb to find an owner. Like I, I'd argue if you're going to find an owner, something serious, what would be a, like his number starts at $20 million or something. It's got to be something where you're like, fuck you. Well, I, I think draft picks are the most detrimental thing you can do to most of these guys, right? Because that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. You've really hurt your team. That's far more detrimental. Like how about, an how, owner, I, I, if given the choice between a $5 million fine and losing their first-round pick, they'd pay the $5 million fine. How about this? $10 whatever, million. The, do you know what the fine is? 
deducted from your salary cap. So if it's a $2 million fine, your next salary cap, you have $2 million less than the rest of the league. That, That's a great idea. Would that piss some people off? Like that would hesitate you. A six game suspension. Well, you might as well, you, you might as well ban me from watching TV and I don't have TV. I know. That's what McAfee was like. No so more what? ice cream for you, but you hate ice cream. <laughs> so what, he gets to watch the games from his 17,000-square-foot mansion somewhere? Or maybe on his yacht? Like, that's... What are we talking about? The yeah, owner? No one even way, notices. Does the NFL have team security at the Miami Dolphins Stadium? Would they know if he showed up? He pays yeah, the security guards, like, their salary. They're going to be like, Mr. Goodell! Steven Ross is trying to sneak in with a mustache looking like Bobby Valentine. Theory... Any chance they try to do this to get people off the scent of the other thing they got going on? Or is it just, it won't even matter? I mean, not a terrible theory. Like, uh, Steven, you fucked up. You owe us. You're going to have to wear this one. They have, I guess, two more days for Deshaun. Uh, or maybe it started it start yesterday. So maybe start, we're 24 yeah, hours in. Start Monday? It's three days. Uh, Tim Patrick. Suffered a torn ACL in Tuesday's practice for the Broncos. NFL headlines, courtesy of Roto World. Uh, Debo Samuel says he's, quote-unquote, willing to do whatever it takes to win when asked about his role. Agreed. Uh, James Washington suffered a broken foot in Monday's practice, expected to miss the next 6-10 to 10 week for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Owner Jerry Jones who spoke immediately uh, afterwards said there's no urgency <laughs> to get a veteran receiver. Jerry talks so much. Jerry talks more than his head coach. Hey guys, I, I got you. Jerry's got to be pretty exhausting. I, I, I do truly believe to my core, the Dallas Cowboys become, and this is going to sound weird because he does, he'll give you all the money, become a lot more desirable for the elite coaches once and I'm not rooting for the guy to pass away, but like he is old. When it, whenever that day comes, I, I do think the Cowboys. Steven feels like a little more consistent of a human being, right? I uh, I love this on on Roto World. They have like player headlines. It says Sky Moore, receiver, Chiefs. Steven Ross, oh Miami <laughs> Dolphins. What's <laughs> uh, about Hollywood? Hollywood Brown is back. Okay. Do you think he hopped on the console last night at home? Yeah. No Twitch. Just solo. Just yeah. get a couple reps in. Kyler? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what film would he be studying right now? Uh, practice. Do you think... I mean, they're sending him the practice film. Do you think they mandated him do some write-ups on the practice film and then send it back when he's off? Or is he like, NFLPA, you can't talk to me. <laughs> That's the crazy thing about them removing that the whole thing makes no sense because how are they ever what a mess. I, I stand by clearly the owner got involved, wanted that clause in there. There's no way Steve Kime put that clause in there. And it's just a mess. Is there a just chance? I, I told Gottlieb this theory that I was wrong. Cause Is I guess from Israel? uh yeah. I, I guess rap sheet. You see Casey Close? He was in the Jeter doc. I did. Well, he's <laughs> Jeter's he co-produced the thing. Yeah. I, I mean, it was like that's um, tough guy to go after. He feels like pretty powerful. Uh, that what was I just about to say? What were we talking about? Uh, Casey Close. Uh, what were we talking about before Casey Close? Completely lost my train of thought. I don't uh, even know. Oh, Kyler. Gaming. My theory is that 
I guess Rap Sheet told Dan Patrick, Rap Sheet was personally going through this contract looking for a baseball clause so he could tweet or talk about it on NFL Network. That's when he stumbled upon the homework clause. He claims like no one, I was going through it because I was going to talk about it. And I was like, I'm not calling bullshit. But my theory is that the team put it in knowing they were going to leak it and kind of okay with ultimately taking it out or whatever to kind of embarrass him. Which, if that's true, is kind of crazy. But it's like, what if you're Michael Bidwell? You felt like you're obligated to pay him. You're like, you're stuck. But like, I'm going to embarrass this guy to really try to put one on him. It just makes you look so bad. I know. Two. Do you believe the rap sheet was just randomly going through looking for a baseball class? I think someone gave it to him. I do, I think it was given. I don't think he was just reading through the contract looking for a baseball clause. Yeah. Wouldn't you just if you're that connected, wouldn't you just ask somebody, send them a, a text like, "Hey, is there a baseball clause in this thing?" Well, one hundred percent. Well, so to me, if someone gives it to him, someone's giving it to him with an angle. So is it Kyler's side or is it the team side? Or is it? Or could it just be like some team? Could it be like Parag? Like, look at this well, idiot. Well, these contracts all get uploaded to like an NFL database. Everyone has access to it in the NFL. Yeah. In the NFL. It, it could, yeah, it could be it, the how he could have given it to him. You know, any team in the league looks through it, and every team with a big contract. I vividly remember listening to how he talked about it. whenever a contract was signed because you always have to be ready for your own team, right? You have maybe not like your Parag, but like Hampton would just go through it, and like then you would talk like, "Look, this is what the new precedent is." I would imagine that once the contract got uploaded, it went like wildfire through the league, right? GMs and the contract people bullshitting. You think they all read through it looking for, for I think something? Well, I don't think every high-end guy does, but every team has like someone in their staff that goes through and highlights things that they would have to implement moving forward, and that would be something that sticks out. Like, hey, Howie, check this shit out. Because you would always want to know the new, especially the big contracts, right? What's it look like? What's in there? Besides just the basic shit. Yeah. This is, has to be something that was like, I bet it went like wildfire throughout the league whenever it got uploaded. Beyond like, here's like, what? There are two, two teams. There's a couple, like the Cardinals are starting their season in a very weird place. The Dolphins are starting their season in a weird place. Are they though? The Dolphins? Yeah, I just think. Cardinals I mean, maybe, more than the Dolphins, I think, with an owner. I agree with that because most of everything that's happened with the Dolphins is on the outside. But I just think for the Dolphins, it's a it's a first time head coach, and the Tua stuff is just. And Tyreek didn't. I don't think he's made it easier. Did you? I've stumbled on NFL Network, like I think like Saturday, and it was like Willie McGinnis and Rhett, or you know one of the posts, Red Lewis, yeah, and. It's easier when you have like it's Willie McGinnis or Steve Smith. They they're just sitting there with Tua and like they're just going to ask him something that a reporter would ease into. Willie's like, "Well, Tua, the elephant in the room is like people don't think you're good enough." <laughs> what you know? It's like, and you just realize like Tua gets asked this a lot. Like, do you think you're going to survive? <laughs> you know, like do you, that is kind of the basic premise of it. Like Tua, do you think you're going to survive as the Dolphins' quarterback for the next? Like, are you going to be here for the future, or is this? Could this be your last year? It's crazy. If you were Tua Tonga-Vailoa, first-round pick from a lot of other places, 
Like he's in Miami. He's not in Philly. He's not in, he's not playing for the jet. He's in Miami. Dude, I think I think it has more to do with the like Herbert this. and Joe Burrow thriving and him sucking. Yeah, I mean, well, definitely Herbert, and that he came from Alabama, and a lot of people had the opinion that he was better than than Herbert. Tank for Tua. Uh, I said the, earlier, well, any guy, the Dolphins literally did. They took him over Herbert, right? Part of it is like yeah. the GM still there. This guy was picked over the other guy. Like, and then it's like, wait, you had him ranked. Can, How'd you have him ranked above him? Easy for everybody to say now, right? Herbert did go sixth, right? It's not like, well, this guy ended up 18th, went sixth. Part of it is Herbert is such a physical monster. And Tua, that's not what he's what he is. It's the worst case scenario ever for a team because not only is like the physical freak that I think people had some questions on, like look good, he became a star immediately. And like players around the league were like, holy shit, look at this guy. <laughs> it happened fast. It snowballed on the Dolphins probably quicker than human than anyone could have ever imagined. It happened within like five weeks. Herbert became a stud playing. Tua couldn't play. And then Fitzpatrick, and then they had to bench him. Remember, Tua got implemented, most people think. Because people are like, well, we got to see what our guy looks like. Even though Ryan Fitzpatrick, they were decent. Uh, John, I I made a statement earlier, which I'm going to take back, which is that I I read any paid comment where I lost this one. Uh, John got pod with cow herd. You scurred whole ever leave. That's not a $2 comment, but not as long as we keep making money. I feel okay. We're in good shape. The beauty of Colin Cowherd is that he is one of the, if not the biggest media personalities in existence today. And um, it, it, it brings, it, it brings us more listeners. <laughs> it's worked. So no complaints, but don't be a douchebag. Uh, anything else today? No. Anthony Lynn didn't see it somehow, Lee says, on Herbert. I think Anthony Lynn was desperate to save his job and wanted to go with the veteran quarterback. I, I, I think it's, it's, it probably boils down to that simple. And ultimately, he implemented Herbert, who was awesome. They still lost a bunch of weird games, and he lost his job. And now he's a running back coach for the 49ers. He was the head coach for a year with Justin Herbert, and now he's a running back coach. Like It's... Life comes at, I, there's a chance Anthony Lynn knows, like, I'm not an OC, right? I'm very dependent. Like, But I'm why is he not an OC? I mean, his offense was pretty good. Yeah, he's a running guy. Like, it was like, he was Rex Ryan's OC when they were top running. Like, teams want passing. Whether it's fair or not, maybe he becomes a good passing game guy with Kyle. I, I think my point, though, is, I wonder if Anthony's like, if I get fired here, there's no guarantee I'll ever be a head coach again. This is my shot. I do think people think weird when they're desperate because you're like, well, you're going to go down with Tyrod Taylor. Now he'd go, well, Justin Herbert, we all just had questions about him at Oregon. Now you think I'm going to stake my wagon to him in like week four of his rookie year in a COVID season? Was it COVID? Yeah, it was 2020. Yeah, because remember part of the deal was like, there's no fans in the stands. Is Herbert, can you really do this again in front of crowds? I, I kind of thought that. Yeah. Not, I, I guess I didn't think that, but it was like, well, is it, is it really this easy? And I was like, yeah, it's easier. <laughs> I got to go back. I was thinking about it today. There's a touchdown. 
DJ called the best pass he's ever seen live when he rolled right and he threw it like 75 yards. I forget who it was against. Maybe the Giants or something. NFL he made a, he made a pass in 2021 that was like, uh, I'm not sure who else does that. I got to find the Herbert touchdown against Auburn that he threw a couple of years ago. That was a pretty eye-opening throw. I mean, Tua had some great throws in college too, but uh, you know, Justin was just is just absolute physical freak, and it's going to work against his coach now if they don't win. Yeah, I think the craziest part about Herbert, and I'd throw Josh Allen here too. Patrick Mahomes' comp is like the better version of Favre. Part of Favre was like, no one had a better arm than Favre. It was like Favre came in, it was like better arm than Marino and Elway. But it's like Herbert and Allen actually have a better arm than Mahomes. <laughs> it was crazy. Like Mahomes, modern day Favre, yet these other two guys have bigger arms. But it's not like Mahomes doesn't have an elite arm, but these other guys have like all-time arms. <laughs> I feel like if Herbert or Allen had to throw an 80-yard go route, they could do it. Like, whatever Mahomes can do, like th- it feels like those guys can throw up five yards farther. And again, we're talking like one guy hits a 330-yard drive, the other guy can just hit a 340, right? I'm not- I, think, I think you see it when they – not when they throw deep balls down the seam in the pocket, but when they move and they have to throw it to – I think they're just uh, – Mahomes' ball just has a little more arc in it where those guys throw laser beams. Yeah. I wonder who's got the better arm between the two of them. Who would you pick? I don't know. I mean, I'm inclined to go Herbert. Yeah, I I guess my first reaction was going to be Allen. I I mean, it's probably pretty close. I mean, it might just depend on the win that day. I mean, I I think they're they're pretty similar. I think Josh might be a little bit more fluid athlete where Herbert might be a little bigger. Again, we're nitpicking. Like, I mean, these guys are thoroughbreds. It's if you just went around the league, non Mahomes, like those two guys would have to be the number one or two pick for every GM, right? That's what I want my guy to be like. Six, five, six, six can run huge arm. Great guy. Well, not all 32 would take Mahomes number one, right? I think Allen and Herbert would get some picks. Mahomes, you gotta like Mahomes. Like Andy likes creativity. Like Andy kind of likes living on the edge. Like, he's, been, he's been doing this like fifty years. He gets a little bored. Like he likes just kind of Herbert is. I, I would say Allen is closer to Mahomes in terms of like he freelances. Herbert plays within the system. Herbert's really closer to an older school quarterback with a little freelance. But I, I feel more he's like he's less likely to do like three sixty and jump over a guy. Not that he can't, but it, Mahomes is king of that. Allen's got a little bit of that wise fun. Herbert is more fun just because he just throws consistent bombs. But I don't feel like crazier shit, even though he can. Maybe he'll do it this year. I don't know. All right. Uh, we'll be back at Niner practice on Wednesday, which means we'll be back here on Wednesday. And um, yeah, that's that. Anything else? Oh, uh, review five stars. Leave us a mailback question. Share with your friends. Yeah. Get after smash, them. Smash oh, like. Yeah. Instagram us. Adios, Pelota. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.